0: Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory, Brett, where last week we did not get to preview the big matchup between the top of the table and Manchester City and Arsenal. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to
1: review it today. Are you getting excited about looking backwards instead of forward for once? Uh, Not given our recent run of picks, do I want to really do so much soul searching looking backwards? I would like to just pretend that some things didn't happen and move on, which is actually the story of most of my life. Hey,
0: (laughs) Positive regression came for your boy. I know I went over for the first time since the show started two weeks ago, but I had four out of five last week. So you're going to have to
1: talk for yourself with a recent run. I only remember one week at a time. Look, all all I have to say is that you need to thank the soccer gods that somehow James Tarkovsky's header hit on the inside of the post and went off because I would bring it up every show from here to eternity Right here on the Ghost of William podcast for a well <laughs> of sadness. Yeah, well, I
0: wasn't exactly sweating the bet, but until I saw that uh, hit the inside of the post, and then I was very thankful. I was thankful that the crossbar of the post was on my side for once, because as a Chelsea fan, it was against me every other moment since uh, it seems like the beginning of time.
1: Yeah, I hear you, man. But yeah, let's 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 do the recap. I, there was a lot of. Well, I wouldn't say a lot. There's one really interesting thing that made me think of other interesting things about that City Arsenal match. And I don't want to make you talk about Chelsea because, ooh, Dortmund. Oh, I got a lot to say about that,
0: but we'll get to that in time. So that was a hell of a tease, Brett. I can tell you've uh, really been trying hard, taking some broadcasting lessons. You said you had one kind of thing to tell us so and one thing that might lead into <laughs> something else. So I think that's just how I plays I- do it at home
1: literally yeah this is just the 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 epitome of professionalism this podcast is like they need to send this out to every journalism school and be like this is how you communicate with the public <laughs> this is how you get the public's appetite wet for your content all right well let's not tease them anymore let's not get them
0: any wetter brett um arsenal city city of course won this game three to one this game was on wednesday not going to go over the odds because it's all in the past what were your big takeaways from this match
1: this was the first time that I think it really crystallized to me that we are talking about a city team that seems to be lacking depth <laughs> um, because last year we, you know, oh, we they, made, they, they have depth. It's just plays for Bayern now. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, a lot of that depth plays for different teams around the Premier League and then in, uh, bigger clubs in Europe. But, you know, we talked last year kind of a lot about like City's B team and how good it was, like the guys that they would like bring off the bench and like Jesus and Mares and Grealish was barely playing, you know. And now now you're like one injury away from, you know, Rico Lewis and Cole Palmer and Bernardo Silva is like being thrown in at left back, which I think is that one might be more have tinkering than we don't have enough players. But like there's a clear... There was a clear, obviously, overreaction to whatever was going on with Cancelo that you went from him playing like 4,000 minutes last year to like now Bernardo Silver is like, playing that left back and you have to, in the 60th minute, you have to sub off Mara's for an actual defender to push Silva into an actual spot that he's used to playing. Um, so this was like the first time, like it really hit me, like this is a different city team, you know, and we don't know the rationale between, between all the sales of, you know, Sterling's and Chinko Jesus, uh, Cancelo going out on loan. Sure. I'm missing somebody that you'll remind me of. Um, but like there, there's definitely just a, uh, like an issue here, right? I mean, like this is not, this does not strike me as the team that seems impenetrable anymore. And Arsenal was, was a really like a, a good team. This was the first win. I think I saw this tweet and maybe I'm getting it wrong, but this is the first win in the pep era where city had less than 40% possession. I looked at that possession figure and now granted you, we can talk about possession figures all we want and their relevance to winning, losing, et cetera, But like, that is, it was jarring to see sixty three thirty seven and have the team with sixty three percent not be Manchester City. You know what I mean? I'm so shocked at your response, and so I'm I'm very interested to unpack it with
0: you. I mean, you just watched City beat Arsenal three to one. You watched them res, uh, regain their top, their place at the top of the table. I thought. They were clearly the better side. It sounds like you have some doubt about that. And your takeaway was that depth was going to bite them. Like, where is depth going to jump back and, and crush them? Are you talking about a Champions League? Are you talking about over the final, whatever it is, 16 games left in the Premier League? That's going to allow Arsenal to top them uh, because City's going to run out of gas.
1: Yeah, I mean, this season's already been extremely weird. Um, and I, I think we've seen it with just kind of the random run of results over the last few weeks. Um, I I think, I think we don't know. I think this is probably the first time, well, before the city match, the, the previous couple of Arsenal matches, Everton, Brentford, et cetera, like that was the first time where we, I think, finally saw the depth issue and the minutes issue catch up to them a little bit for some random results after a string of a pretty good run. Um, I think that, I think this is going to be a lot of games. Like we we've seen a lot of minutes. We've had a weird situation we have talked about how there's been this effect ever since like a project restart of how condensed everything has been. So yeah, I I do think it's going to bite them. And I mean, the thing that we saw too is that when, when De Bruyne is off the pitch now, it is, it falls solely pretty much on Jack Grealish to basically create chances. Yeah. And that is a really interesting spot. When you talk about a city team that you're talking about how one injury now, Puts them in a super weird spot. That didn't happen before. Like, even if De Bruyne went out last year, would you and I have been like, Oh, this is like a huge blow? Like, no, we thought they would have plugged in, it would have been plug and play. They just pep would do some moving around with the different pieces he has on the bench, and that was it. But now you're one or two injuries away from like Cole Palmer or a 4-4-2 with Julian Alvarez. I know, but you're still talking about a team's depth problem when
0: they're able to bring Phil Foden off the bench in this match. I mean, it's not like their caver- the coverage completely bare. I, I, I think oh, I'm, it's very- I'm not
1: saying it's bare. I'm just saying in comparison to recent years, you have to admit it is. They are much I'm walking a much more tenuous line here.
0: Oh, there's, there's no doubt about it. If you compare them to the depth of past city teams, particularly with the uh, weird shipping off of, uh, of our Lord and Savior, Cancelo, like, yes, <laughs> they are definitely less deep than they have been in the past, but I'm not sure it's going to bite them in the premier league itself. I mean, champions league might be a different story. Um, and once They get some decent fixture congestion in the spring with really high intensity matches because they are not going to be able to take their foot off the gas in the league uh, because Arsenal is certainly going to push them, I think, all the way to the last match of the year. Um, Maybe maybe we'll see it. But I just I just think it's an interesting takeaway from this particular match. I, I love that oftentimes we've started to like meld our minds a little bit but still there's times where we see things completely differently because of your experience watching versus my just stupid sitting on the couch and keeping my eyes open and my eyes were telling me that city overwhelmed arsenal particularly at the beginning of the game like when they rolled out of this three two four one with holland up top and grealish and gunduan and kdb and Mares behind them and they really took it to arsenal i thought they basically reduced arsenal who's been an excellent attacking squad and really class throughout the year i don't they basically reduced them to Tottenham where their only chance was really to counter punch them and they weren't going to um, to sustain any of this pressure and then it kind of manifests itself when Tomoyashi under hits underhits that back pass, KDB jumps on it but to your point nine out of 10 people do not score from that position. Like yeah. the second takeaway is Manchester city has KDB and everybody else doesn't like, I know I talk about him a lot when he's off the pits, they're a hundred percent a different team. And I would probably favor Arsenal over them. As soon as you drop him, which actually supports your point. Cause if he does get hurt, then uh, their title odds might go with him. but they still have him right now. And there's not a reason to believe yet that I've seen that he's running out of gas. Cause not only did he hit that incredible off foot chip, uh, I don't on Russian goalkeeper to sneak inside the inside post for the opening goal that cut back to how on the third goal was also amazing. And he was just making plays throughout the matches. So I thought that they, they dictated to arsenal how arsenal was going to play where arsenal almost always dictates to their opponent, the style of play they want to play.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's kind of the fundamental crux of it is I, I thought for the most part, without the Tomiyasu back pass that turned into, I mean, a really, really pretty goal from De Bruyne. Um, but, you know, I thought on the balance of chances, it, it really wasn't like super heavily tilted in the first 60 minutes towards one side. Um, I mean, I, 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 again, the possession number, like to me, doesn't say that I felt like city dictated much of anything. I think it was more towards the end. They made the sub, it made things make a little more sense. And then we saw the 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 final punch, basically, right? And that, I think, maybe color the memory of the fact that I thought Arsenal looked pretty good early on. And now part of that might have been, and, and the argument that I will take from this, is definitely you could say, well, is at left back, City looks screwed up. That's a huge caveat. I can get that. But I, I definitely thought these teams looked pretty even. City ran away with it at the end. De Bruyne is 31 with a ton of minutes on its legs. So yeah, it's great when he's out there, but like, how are they going to rest him and rotate him? And how aggressively is that going to come along?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it goes back to our five-year conversation for last time. I would still take Arsenal over City for five years, but I wouldn't take him for the next, you know, nine weeks or whatever we have left in the season. It's probably a little longer than that uh a little over three months. So you know the next 13, 14 weeks, I would still absolutely take City. And I think I know Arsenal has a game in hand and that's important to remember. So while City's on top of the table, Arsenal still controls its own destiny. If they win out City can't catch them. Uh mm-hmm. so you know once that that game gets made up, City might be on top of the table again. I just I think City's the better team. And it's not just the possession numbers. Like obviously you can reduce it to the spreadsheet and you can look at those possession numbers. But when I was watching with my eyes, I thought Manchester City dictated the energy of the match. I thought that they took it to Arsenal more than Arsenal was prepared to take it to them and I thought Arsenal fell back into a more passive role a little more um a little more comfortably or uh, uh they just kind of capitulated more than I was prepared to expect my other big takeaway is that Anthony Taylor street sucks Uh, you just know you just know at this point he's going to insert himself in every big match it is so frustrating even for a neutral like forget when he's involved in a match that I deeply care about even as a neutral it's frustrating I mean where was Ederson supposed to go on that play he allowed Arsenal to get back in it before Mm -hmm. the half otherwise I thought City really was going to run away with it the commentators were shocked they couldn't even figure out what the call was I don't know if you had the volume on when you were listening like they thought they were checking for handball on the goal line clearance because in yeah. what world would Ederson have you know drawn a, a penalty on that so anytime I see him on the pitch and you might hear this in a prop later like I'm just going to assume he's going to put himself into the match in ways that he should just fall into the background the, the, my proof on that is there's only one ref in the entire world that my kids know the names of and it's Anthony Taylor because he always is somebody I'm cursing whenever I see
1: yeah I mean <laughs> Yeah, it seems like in big matches we've had officials inject themselves in ways that were counterproductive to talking about the game afterwards. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess like I don't know. We we've seen really crazy things. I mean, look at the city the city match too against United, like the VAR calls and what is offsides or something like that. You know what I mean? I I hate always reducing games to that. Um, you know, because obviously more, it was a big defining play. It obviously gave away, you know, penalties are massive game changers in soccer. So like it's impossible not to discuss them when they're somewhat controversial, but there's also like, and this is like the basketball coach coming out and me. Don't blame the refs. We did our, we made our mistakes too. Um, but it is kind of the truth, right? Like there are definitely some mistakes in terms of the way that the game played out, the formation that Pep used early, you know, Arsenal had a weird switch too where like Ben White wasn't playing all of a sudden and Tomiyasu make the back pass that gave away the goal. So like there's a lot of interesting stuff that I think you can talk about that's non-referee related but you know yeah. I get it. it it's it's a big moment. Like penalties, I mean this is something like this is a whole conversation where you can go down the rabbit hole with like does soccer need to take a closer look at penalties. Like that that this call could be this potentially game changing with this much momentum on what was a really tight angle chance with an iffy kind of foul call, like should that lead to something that gives you like almost an 80% of a goal, uh, 80% chance of a goal? Yeah. Well, I'll I'll say um, two quick
0: things and then let's get to the games. The other takeaway I had in watching Holland's uh, goal in minute 82, catches the KDB um, cut back, slips it quickly to his foot on, he shifts it to his foot and then beats the keeper to the far post like the touch and the quickness and the power of that shot and and that combination is really crazy. And it just reminded me that there are so few great number nines left right now in premier league or world football or whatever you say, obviously watch most premier league. Cause they're like, it seems to be just, you know, a lot of wingers and a lot of undersized guys and speed merchants and things like that, that are uh, the ones that are kind of making those plays. And we're not talking about Holland as like a straight up hold up guy, although he could do that too. But like that play right there just really like stood out how special and and um, and not fully unique, but rare he is right now. And it made me think like as I watch Chelsea, as I watch Liverpool, as I watch other teams, who are the actual great number nines that there are right now? It's clearly him. It's I think Harry Kane still fits in there. Strangely, I think Ivan Tony might uh uh be within that conversation. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's in,
1: in that tier. No, he's
0: yeah. not in that he's not in that tier. He's not but that I, I get what you're saying. I'm thinking of like a nine in the Premier yeah. League. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get he's saying. a name I think of, even though he's not as good as those two. And there's just not that many of them, right? Mitrovic, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, we've kind of been robbed of Calvert Lewin, too. Remember when him and Richarlison played in that 4 4 2 with Ancelotti, like you really burst onto the scene. Um, I think it was, was Ancelotti the one that got credit for that. I don't know. what Whatever manager got credit for that. Um, yeah, Calvert Lewin would be like a, a pure number nine because he literally doesn't do anything else. <laughs> so, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, there are very few guys that position has become more fluid, right? Is that like, is that the right word for it? Am I describing it in the right way in the sense that like you, you don't have guys that are the pure goal scoring poachers that like make those special runs that only with finishing with finishes that like only pure goal scorers make. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, I I, th- I think we're at it itself, particularly for for me. Uh, but I but in the more global conversation, as you watch Chelsea and Havertz clearly shouldn't be leading the line, and so they're spending a billion dollars, and the conversation becomes who can they who should they buy? And I think a decade ago that list might have been ten to twenty names long, and now it's like I don't even know the answer. Because if you're just looking for a nine to lead the line, they tried it with Lukaku. That clearly was a fail. Uh, and there's just not many guys in world football that could do that. And I don't know if this is actually part of Pep's legacy, right? Like Pep was walking the league without even playing a nine. And he was not really playing that. His most successful and famous sides often didn't feature that classic position. And I think that influence over the last decade has kind of started to crescendo a little bit, right? Just like people shoot more threes now in the NBA because of Steph Curry. I think we're, we're seeing it manifest itself. So when you're having this classic soccer conversation, who should lead the line? There's just not as many options as there might've been 10 years ago.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that, that comes down to just kind of some of the ways that that's, that soccer has evolved as well. Right. Like there's a clear understanding too that. Possession and pinning possession or pinning opponents back in their final third is a really valuable thing in terms of like correlating to winning soccer matches, being a dominant team, controlling the balance of chances, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So like you can't have guys that like don't press like that. I mean, look at Ronaldo, right? Like we saw the drop in his value. Great goal scorer, put a ton of goals up for United, but clearly was probably negative EV because he did nothing else. He didn't press, he didn't connect plays, you know, like he doesn't do things that I think are conducive to the whole. And I think like soccer now is becoming a more holistic sport. You have to have guys that work out of possession. You have to have guys that when you have possession can play intricate passes, can move into spaces to keep the ball in the final third. And I think that's part of the reason why like guys like Holland and and even Ivan Tony are so rare is because the game has shifted to a point where, like, we don't know if those those pure goal scorers still have that much value, but Haaland yeah. is so good. He's so yeah. good at it, right? But he definitely does. But, like, yeah. Lukaku is the classic case of, like, where that goes wrong. Like, that's the flip yeah. side. If you don't get a guy that's Haaland-level great or does, like, little extra stuff that Ivan Tony does, you have dead weight like Lukaku.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and I think uh, even the great number nines like Harry Kane are, have more well-rounded games than they used to have. Like I don't know well, how right, much of that, yeah. that Tottenham well, game Kane, he watched. Kane
1: is an amazing passer. Like, the the yeah.
0: best play Kane made in Tottenham's game last week was when he released Parasic down the left, yeah. on that, like sick pass from uh, his own half. I mean, like he, we talked about it previously, you know, he has a future as a deep lying playmaker, which you can very, You can say about very few classic nines, particularly like old school classic nines, right? Like yeah. they didn't like age gracefully back in the pitch like nope. King will, and it's because of the era he came up in. So he's kind of like a bridge between the eras. And it's really, it's really impressive to watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, it's it's kind of funny because he is like the reverse of like most like really good playmakers have to move further forward as they get older in their careers. Yeah. Right. He's literally a guy that starts as a nine, but you could say, well, maybe he needs to move backwards. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, it's, it's definitely unusual. Uh, last question before this week's games, the odds shifted pretty massively from the last time I asked you this question, but now the outright winner of the Premier League, uh, I believe um, City had moved to plus money the last time we talked about this. I think they were like plus 130, plus 140. Did you look at the odds after the result? I, I have not looked at the odds after the result yesterday. City minus 190. That's how fast that's how much it moved off of that. Life, result. Comes, life
1: comes at you fast, bro.
0: <laughs> Arsenal plus 175. So which ticket would you rather hold? I mean, obviously, I I yeah. did bet. I did bet City once as soon as they moved into plus money. So I don't need to I don't need to wager at all. I already am holding my ticket, but at minus 190 for city and plus 175 for Arsenal, which ticket do you want?
1: Yeah, I I I think it's city at this point. I mean, we we've had the same concerns about depth, and I think city's just a better. Team with like a higher top end talent, um, and I, I think that's going to be the, fo- the the bottom line. And and the whole thing when we were talking about City's depth in that match in particular wasn't like a whole lead up into. I still think Arsenal is now the favorite. It was more so saying that like this doesn't seem to be a lock for City, right? Yeah. Like like even though they're even, I think they're I think they're going to win. I think that's the ticket that you hold. But like, am I as confident in that as I maybe would have been in years past? Like, heck, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I would take City even at minus
0: one ninety, but I'm super happy to be holding them. I think. Yeah, I'm you get that plus, plus forty.
1: That's why you're the uh, smart guy between the two of us. You always, you always try to act like you're the dumb guy. I don't. I didn't take that bet. You were on it. You knew yeah. it. You can. You punched that ticket right when you knew it was valuable. There you go. Uh,
0: all right. Well, let us take a quick break, and then let's dive into this week's action the thing about Caesars Sportsbook it's not just an app it's your key to a whole empire hotels casinos restaurants shows Caesars Palace I'm sure you've heard of it every bet you place with Caesars Sportsbook brings you closer to perks only Caesars can offer hotel stays at iconic destinations app bonuses merch show tickets and many more Caesars Rewards perks so get started today register using code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250 if you win Congrats. If you don't, you'll get your stake back as a bet credit. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call one 800 next step. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call one 800 522 4700 Indiana, call one 800 9 with it. Iowa, call one 800 bets Off. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call one 800 270 7117 Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 gambler which is one 800 426 2537 Or in West Virginia, visit one 800 gamblernet New York call 80 877 8 H O P E N Y or text H O P E N Y 467 369.
2: 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Constant Contacts writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contacts' best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contacts' expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com.
0: all right, we are back, and let's dive into this weekend slate. It is not as cracking as we would wish it to be, but there is one big uh, matchup between Liverpool and Newcastle we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, I think it's appropriate, since the conversation we just had, though, to start with both Arsenal and Manchester City. Arsenal is going to be first, and they're taking on Ashton Villa. This game is 11th at 28... I'm sorry, Ashton Villa is 11th at 28 points. Arsenal is second at 51 points. This is the early game, lunchtime in England, 7.30 a.m. here on Saturday for us. Uh, Arsenal is minus 123. Aston Villa is plus 330. The draw is plus 260. Arsenal is minus half a goal and minus 130. And Caesars has Aston Villa at plus 100. So we just did a ton of Arsenal and City analysis. So I think it's only fair that I took a quick look at their opponents in order to help guide my picks this week. Uh, Aston Villa just absolutely leaks goals against teams with an attacking mindset. I've just seen it over and over again. They gave up three against City. They gave up four against Leicester. They gave up three against Poole. They gave up four against Newcastle. I think they gave up multiple goals in this one. And Arsenal ends up reclaiming, at least temporarily, since they're the early game, their place at the top of the table. I also think that we are now getting close enough to the Business end, that I'm not expecting a lot of letups. I know even with Champions League and things like that, um, you know we might see some some tired legs and and things that might end up affecting some of these lines. But now that they're so closely clustered and the end is in sight. I'm not expecting either team to kind of uh, give up on the league whatsoever until there's like a four or six or nine point gap. So I think we see the best of Arsenal. I think Aston Villa has little chance of stopping them. I think it's not going to be like the last game where Arsenal allows the pace to be dictated to them and the energy to be dictated to them. I think if they take it to Aston Villa, and I think they should be laying more juice than minus 123, but I'm happy to cash a ticket at that price.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't really have a lot to add. Um, Arsenal minus one twenty three uh, over two and a half goals is my prop, and you just talked about why. <laughs> like Villa has been Villa has been really disappointing. I, we were, I was really intrigued. I think right when Emery took over, which was like right before I don't know everything's all planning together, which was right before the break in the World Cup. He had a couple of interesting matches with the way that he rolled things out, but like ever since then. They have been not great. Um, and there's been a lot of, there's been some issues there. I'm not really sure what they're trying to accomplish with the way that they're rolling things out. Like he's obviously trying to replicate that little four-four-two he had at Villarreal that I think uh, brought him some success, but it's not working. So Arsenal over on goals. That's where I'm at.
0: Cool. The line on the over I saw, I think was minus
1: 105. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was just putting the thing. There's no line. Yeah, minus 105. Cool.
0: Um, yeah I'm also on the over, but I'm gonna take a more specific over because i I do think Arsenal wants to come out and and you know burn off some of the frustration they have from losing the city and regain their place at the top of the table and Aston Villa comes out flat on the reg, so I love this number Arsenal over uh one and a half goals in the first half plus four hundred um. Great number for them to jump out early. And I don't think Aston Villa is going to be able to stop them. So I can't believe you're getting four to one for them to score twice in the first 45.
1: Yeah, no, I mean definitely. And and like I said, this leaky as Villa has been with as unimpressive as they've been. I mean, City stomped on them early and often in their matchup. They were creating chances at will. I think they had like three XG in the first half of their match against Villa. So good bet, Toby.
0: Thank you, thank you. All right, nobody can say we short shifted Arsenal, so let's go ahead and go to the next game early. Uh, Nottingham Forest, 14th at 24 points versus Manchester City, first at 51 points. Saturday at 10 a.m. City is minus 345. Caesar says Forest at plus 900. The draw at plus 440. City minus a goal and a half is minus 125. Forest is minus one 1- 105. Uh, do you want to guess, Brett? Forest's record versus the four teams currently I'm sorry, not not record total goals scored and against versus the four teams in Champions League positions
1: so far this year. Zero? Yeah, but how many have they given up? Oh, how many have they given up? Oh, how many they, oh given up? Ah, uh, geez, I'm trying to think back to these matches. I mean double digits for sure. Sixteen to zero yeah. is the cumulative score. Yeah. Uh, between
0: United, Arsenal, City, and Newcastle, helped a lot by City blasting them six zero. Already the 6-0, in reverse the picture. is going
1: to factor into that one big time.
0: Um, so Norwich is is like I'm sorry, uh, Forrest is like Norwich in that regard last year. <laughs> Basically so, the
1: same team. That's a good slip well,
0: up. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean they're like they're like Norwich against the top teams last year when Norwich was just like getting absolutely pummeled, like not able to stay in the matches whatsoever. But the difference is Forrest is showing up. For the bottom of the table clashes, yeah. which is why they are in the safe zone and Norris is currently playing in the championship. Uh, I see no reason whatsoever that City shouldn't continue this pattern. So not only would I be happy to take the the goal and a half um at minus one twenty five for my prop, I'm gonna double up on that on this on this 16 to nil pattern, and I'm gonna take a parlay of City to win two to two or more to zero. Is at plus 170. So I'd rather, if I think they're gonna get two goals either way, then you're getting them on that zero line. You're getting really nice odds at plus one seventy and rather, instead of the minus one twenty-five. Yeah, and I, okay. you could also talk me into juicing up even higher, just for those of you who really want to, to go for it. City to win three or more to nil is plus three twenty.
1: Yeah, those are both really good. I went the other direction just because, uh, shockingly, Jesse Lingard uh, did not save nine and Forest attack. And um, I just, I have been really unimpressed with the way that force attacks. I don't think their attackers are very good in general. Um, and so the clean sheet was like, plus, a, it was even, money, it was plus a hundred. Yeah, it's plus a hundred. Yeah, I just, I have no faith that we, we've we talked about Ederson and the weird formations and stuff, but like, I don't really see other than like a fluke counter or a weird deflected thing off like a random set piece, like where the forest goal comes from. And you know, you're at even money for it. I just I think good team, good thing. The fact that City's gonna pin them in their in that final third, like I like that number a lot. So I, yeah. I, I think yours are great. Going up for more goals for them is good. I felt like the the holding forest was playing more towards how bad forces attack is. So I like yeah. that number.
0: Yeah. So you think the score is going to be 1-0 plus 100? You think it's going to be 2-0 plus 170? You think it's going to be 3-0 plus 320? They're all great bets. Yeah. Um, and yep. they all have the same common denominator and that Forrest is not shown an ability to score against these top four teams. Yeah. All right. Uh, we made up for that Arsenal and City opening, and now we have a little bit more time to talk about the rest of the matches. And let's go, unfortunately, because we're going in chronicle uh, order, to the, the team that you dread talking about. Chelsea, 10th at 31 points versus Southampton, 20th at 15 points. Saturday at 10 a.m. Caesars has Chelsea at minus 260. Southampton is plus 750. The draw is plus 285. Chelsea minus a goal and a half is plus 110. Southampton is minus 140. So similarly looking at the opponent rather than the big six team in this match, Southampton is truly dreadful right now, losing 9 of the last 10 uh, they're without a permanent manager still I believe I, I. after they didn't hire our boy they didn't make another appointment yet right? No they did not yeah, I didn't think so because I always fear the new manager bounce. So I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything this afternoon since I didn't check uh late breaking news. So they've lost nine of the last 10. They've sunk to the very bottom of the table. That includes multi-goal losses to Newcastle, Liverpool, Brighton, Brentford. Basically, every single time they play a team in the top half of the table, they lose by two or more goals. Chelsea technically still qualify. So I am happy to get plus money at plus 110 for them to win by at least two.
1: Yeah, I mean, Southampton has been a little bit unlucky, Um, like their underlying numbers are more like 13th, 14th place versus them at the bottom of the table right now. But in a weird thing, usually when you kind of crunch through the spreadsheet or watch the games, you can probably find like four or five things like Occam's Razor doesn't really always apply here. It's a pretty much straight one to one correlation. They're underperforming their uh, expected goals against by about ten goals, and their keeper, uh, young Gavin Bazunu, <laughs> has given up ten goals worth of shots that he's faced. <laughs> so you are we we made a lot of we poked a lot of fun at Danny Ward early in the year, um, and with the guy like Bazunu who came over on loan, he's twenty years old. Uh, they're they're waiting for Alex McCarthy to kind of return from injury. Um, who who McCarthy himself has shipped 15 extra goals over the last two years, and that would mark an improvement in the goalkeeping for Southampton. <laughs> um, so like yeah, the post-shot XG numbers are are not flattering in Southampton's goalkeeping situation. I don't see it changing anytime soon. I also think that Chelsea looked pretty good in attacking and storm, and they got really unlucky. I think Felix at the cross of the bar, what, like twice, once, twice? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's been really dynamic for them. So, I'm with you on the spread. Um, I just don't really – the Southampton team is just not great. And then the goalkeeping thing is a huge, huge flaw. Um, and then my, my prop, though, is just leaning into the Felix thing. I really don't like goal, goal plotting, but, like, I just think – that maybe he's come out screaming. So, he's plus 450 for not as an anytime, but as the first, first goal – and I I don't know why, but that number I don't really like doing these. I'd rather just take it an any time, so you have all ninety minutes to do it. But like, I think Chelsea probably has a range of two to three goals in this match. So you just have to hope he's one of two or one of three, and he his goal plotting is he's the one that scores first. So yeah, I a fabulous four. bet, fabulous
0: bet for no other reason is like who the hell else would you pick to score for Chelsea? Like specifically, like he's clearly the danger man right yeah. now. He's thriving in this uh, this free 10 role that he's being allowed to play and then, like, interchanging a little bit with Havertz and, and leading the line when it's tactically uh, advantageous for him to do so. I, I I cast on him last week, right? Like, one shot on target was minus 150. That number, just in a week, just from watching how dynamic he was versus West Ham and versus uh, Dortmund midweek in the Champions League, do you see what that number's already been adjusted to? No one shot on targets already at minus 330 for him so like Vegas is all over this child Felix stuff they recognize that he is absolutely the spark plug for Chelsea right now and we say it over and over again like besides the ghost of William maybe it actually should be the name of this podcast which is <laughs> regression comes for everybody except for Messi and that is both positive and negative negative. and yeah. I said it last week Chelsea's goal creation right now is absolutely way better than the number of goals that they're putting up on the board and so So you know they have they 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 were I'll I'll just say it take my bias shove it up your rear Uh, that handball (laughs) call was atrocious they should have won that match last week I should have cashed my Chelsea plus one and a half ticket I should have gone five for five they should have taken all three points last week they were the better side against Dortmund they definitely created more chances Uh, it's not Dortmund's one goal was outstanding and I, I don't want me to take anything away from them but Chelsea's playing in a surprisingly positive way right now that they're creating more chances than they have in like the last two or three seasons. And I just have to believe that this, this, you know, hitting crossbars and drawing wonder saves and not getting the 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 penalty calls that they deserve eventually has to shift in their favor. And I'm happy to make this a portfolio bet. I'm happy not to try to predict it week to week. I'm happy to bet Chelsea overs, over and over and over and over and over again cuz i think that the numbers aren't reflecting that they're undervaluing their underlying chance creation right now and i think that regression's going to come and draw a profit for me over the next 5 to 10 weeks
1: yeah i mean you know the dorman match was uh, what is it it's gregor kobel i think is the keeper now over there um, like kobel definitely like stood on his head <laughs> in yeah. the dorman match like he got lucky with where some of the shots ended up on frame he made a couple of great saves um, it was probably one of his best performances of the year. I, I agree with you. Like there, I have questions about what's going on behind the attack, but Jao Felix is definitely, and, and, and return of Reese James, obviously that's a huge. Oh, and Chili, dude. Chili yeah, came and back this last yeah, week. And and only, Shuo, he yeah.
0: was going only play 60, but that's the way it goes, right? Sub appearance, then 60, and then you're uh, going to start being ready for 90. And when you're talking about the upgrade, on both sides of the pick, but pitch, but particularly in attack, of Chilwell over Cucurella, like, forget about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think Jao Felix has done a lot. Um, I think that they are going to probably pay another massive sum of money to get him out of Atletico for good after this. Um, but yeah, he's really, um, he's been, he's hit the ground running way better than I expected. Um, you know, he had a really electric performance for the red card in his first match. He's bounced back, and it just seems like that level is still there. Um, Yeah, if you're you're an Atletico fan right now, like watching this,
0: like how can you look at Simeone and and, the the Argentinian?
1: yeah, exactly. Sorry, like, I stole I stole that from Ryan O'Hanlon. Well, like, they paid what, like
0: 130 million dollars for him to give him to the Argentinian Sean Dice, and like he clearly had this in his locker the entire time. Right. Yeah. He's just unleashing it right now. Like you imagine watching this and then thinking to the last three or four years at Atletico, and you could have been watching this, but instead you were watching him sulk in a defensive formation.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh... It definitely makes you have some questions. I mean, Simeone's had some amazing. I mean, one of the most amazing things we've seen in the sport was Simeone winning the La Liga at the peak of Barca and Real Madrid. Um, so, I mean, you have to give him credit for that, but also he has he has ruined lots of players in that way. So, I, I don't know. He's an interesting, He's a fascinating figure. We could have. Legitimately, a podcast series about Simeone, but yeah, you have to be sitting there going, "So this guy had all this in his bag, <laughs> and yeah. uh, all we all we did was say play as a support striker in a four four two and just closed out." <laughs>
0: so, uh, in the spirit of me just taking Chelsea attacking numbers for the next you know five weeks or so and seeing how it goes every single week, uh, this week I chose Chelsea to score in both halves. Because you can get that up to plus 145, which was a way better number than Chelsea to score two goals, which I think might have even still been negative. That's how dreadful they they believe Southampton is. Um, and I think that Southampton hasn't shown any ability, similar to what I said about Aston Villa. They haven't said, shown any ability to shut uh, things down from kickoff. There's plenty of goals in both halves. And if I think Chelsea's going to have two to four goals in this matches, getting on a plus 145 to split uh, halftime with at least one on either side, I think it's a great number.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm with that. I mean, i Again, this is very much an underwhelming Southampton team, and I think Chelsea is probably, in general, a little bit undervalued in a lot of areas right now.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, and their season's practically over, right? So, like, I mean, they're they're clearly not making the Champions League in the Premier League. Uh, they have a puncher's chance in the in the this year's Champions League because they only lost one zero away. It's not like they're out of that match, and they still have plenty of equality to make that up. Um, but I'm just, I'm watching now with an eye towards, you know, the off season and next year. And I like, Silva's still imperious, Battle seal has been excellent. And if we can get this un- attack, like to create this chance creation and either revert to the mean on shots or actually get some guys on the pitch who can outperform XG, then we're going to be really dangerous. So I'm watching, uh, for fun more than consequence. And I'm not used to doing that in, you know, February of a uh, premier league season, but I'm still happy with what I'm seeing right now, as I should be after a billion dollars spend, uh, <laughs> All right, let's take another break, and then let's get to the actual best match of the week at Newcastle and Liverpool. As mentioned on the other side of the break, we are heading to Newcastle, fourth at 41 points versus Liverpool, ninth at 32 points. This game is Sunday. Uh, No, it's not. This game is Saturday. I'm sorry, I wrote that down wrong. This game is Saturday, right? Yeah, it is Saturday. Yeah, Saturday at 12.30 p.m., Live from my eyes, written on the screen here. Uh, Newcastle is plus 150. Liverpool is plus 175. The draw is plus 240. Newcastle minus half a goal is plus 140. Liverpool is minus 180. So, Brett, I've kind of taken us out in the first three matches. I'm going to give you the pleasure of uh, giving your analysis first in the game of the weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing that sticks out for me in this is uh, Newcastle looked like a really different team without their best midfielder. Shocker! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bruno Guimari is still going to be out, or Guimari-ish, Guimari-ish, Um is still out uh, due to the red card suspension. Uh, Joel Linton was, like, dropping deep in their build-up. Um, that's, for all those keeping track at home, that was their record number nine signing like two years ago, uh, playing as like a six, like a deep line six. Um, so it was a really weird, strange um, shift in how they tried to cover for him. Uh, I've been pretty complimentary. We've been pretty complimentary of Eddie Howe. Um, But I think, you know, it does still come down to just having good players. And Bruno does a ton for them. I mean, he is probably, God, I don't know if we want to get into whole rankings about this, but he's definitely one of the best midfielders in the league. I don't know where you want to slide exactly. I agree. and he has a game too that's really interesting because he does everything. He can move the ball up the pitch with, uh, with his feet, with his passing. He can receive passes. He can win the ball back. He can get into the box. He can generate shots. Like he's a do it all guy. And it kind of made this like really fluid midfield three they've been playing with work. Um, and so, as much as Liverpool has been super uninspiring, I went with them money line. Um, I wanted to take the coward. I wanted to take the coward's way out. It was there because in my heart and soul, I am a coward, um, <laughs> but I did not go. I shifted to Liverpool and that's just strictly a hundred percent. The fact that there's no Bruno on the pitch for Newcastle. And I think he's a massively important player, um, especially for the way that they're trying to play. Um, and then the other part of it is uh, the the second prop bet I had is salah has been kind of forgotten, man. Um, he's oh, yeah. had a really weird stretch here, but he still takes penalties. Newcastle has been doing a lot of this winning without the typical dominating possession, final third performance type things. So they're going to concede a lot of possession. They will concede even more without their best midfielder on the pitch. So the fact that Salah is plus two hundred to not only score from open play but with the ball in the final third for possible penalties, I really like that number as an time goal scorer.
0: Yeah. um, I went with Newcastle at plus 150. I also considered the Cowers way out because I think this game could pretty easily be one nil either way. I don't think there's going to be a lot of separation between the sides. Um, I think if this game was one week later or two weeks later and we had seen Van Dyke come back and how he looked and whether he can go a full 90, I think that might tip the the balance right back to Liverpool, but we haven't seen that yet. Right. Like the best we've seen of Van Dyke was him getting in a fight on the sideline the other day. That's the, I didn't even realize he was on the bench until he was like in the middle of a brawl. Yeah. Um, and so, Without having seen him come back, I just I don't trust him. I just don't. Like they don't have they don't have Van Dyke to bail them out still. They don't have the midfield of old to control the game. And I agree with you, without Game Maurice, like I don't fully believe in Newcastle either. But I just kind of have to see it from Liverpool until I stop fading them. It's just like Tottenham. I'm I'm on, the fade I, I totally understand that I'm on the fade Spurs until yeah. they, they prove me wrong. And so I think it, it has a very good chance to be 1-0 either way. Uh, going with the home team, going with Newcastle, the team I've seen a little more consistent quality from, even in the absence of one of their best players. And like because I think it could be pretty easily be 1-0 either way, uh, my favorite bet for this game is at the Newcastle money line. It's the under, which is plus 100 on um, – under two and a half goals. So you're getting even money, no juice whatsoever that this game remains close and remains low scoring. The last six Newcastle games uh, have gone under for whatever it's worth. And Liverpool showed their kind of hand against Chelsea that without Van Dyke and without the quality that they've been running all over the pitch, they are more, I guess a quality opponent. They're more than happy to grind to like a nil, nil draw. Uh, without a whole lot of action in it. So I think while it's the best game of the weekend, I don't think it's going to be the most watchable game of the weekend. I think it's going to be a grind. Um, They've gotten in trouble, actually, when they think they can punch a team in the mouth. So someone like Wolves, something like Brighton, something like Brentford has led to their demise. And I just don't think they're going to try to throw that punch. I think they're going to be happy to settle into a bit of a damp squid of a match. The other two I like in this game, if you like Newcastle to win and you believe me that it's just going to remain a close match, one nil either way. Newcastle to win by exactly one goal is plus 285 so you can juice up that plus 150 that they're not going to run away with this thing. And then uh, finally, the other prop I like, you know who the referee is? There you go. Oh, it's Anthony Taylor, my friends. (laughs) So, of course, I had to look it up. Penalty awarded in this match is plus 180. So I totally expect his shiny head to cast the light of the TV cameras yet again for him to not listen to the VAR referee or to overrule him with whatever madness is in his brain. If you told me that last of us was actually uh, already happening, I would believe it started with <laughs> Anthony Taylor. Uh, and so being able to get plus money on betting on that referee and
1: not the, the teams whatsoever, I'm strain. happy to take it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh <laughs> I don't even know. We just need to go to the next game. I don't even have anything for the Last of Us reference. That's fantastic. Anthony All Taylor right. is, is is patient zero. Right. Uh, the next game is Manchester United,
0: third at 46 points versus Leicester City, 13th at 24 points. This one I did get right is Sunday at 9 a.m. Uh, United is minus 175. Leicester is plus 430. The draw is plus 320. Our friends at Caesars have Manchester United minus half a goal at minus 165. And Leicester's double chance at plus 127. Okay, uh, Brett, I'm. Th- this is shrug emoji for me. Oh, like, dude,
1: I was gonna literally say the same thing. Oh, were you really? Because like, so who, joke, shrug emoji.
0: Who the uh, hell knows with Lester? Like, the variance of the possibilities here are so wild. Yeah, and yeah. If, if Casemiro was playing, I would. I would like you know, United's chances to kind of shut down that game. But without Casemiro, I think we're just gonna see an incredibly open match that comes down to like finishing quality. And on, fi- on the balance of finishing quality, I would obviously give the edge to United, but I hate the number. I hate the number. If I think there's going to be a bunch of goals that's going to come down to a wide, like, you know, almost variance and like wild chance, give me Leicester plus 430 over United's minus 175. Even if, you know, I think United is more likely to win the match.
1: Yeah, I, uh, my brain basically broke. I, I went with United, the half goal spread. I. Just whatever shrug emoji. Um, the one thing I actually did like weirdly through all my searching of bets and values and stuff, um, I ended up even though this match I have no idea what's going to happen, but I went to the, kind of the thing that we've been talking about with Liverpool a lot, which is the, the come from behind winner draw United's plus 330 for the come from behind winner draw. I kind, of feel like, yeah, I, I kind of feel like that's a really great bet for this match, especially if you think it's going to just be chaos in one way or the other. like. Plus three thirty 30 seems like a really high number for that outcome, especially yeah. since they just played Barcelona midweek. So the chances that they go down early are probably really good, especially since Lester's in effort mode and just playing like a bunch of attackers and no defensive midfield. Well, I guess Mendy played last week, but before they had the double pivot of Tillman's and Dewsbury hall.
0: Yeah. I love that pick. I wrote it down. Like this is, I, I believe it's going to be straight chaos. I said that the best match is Liverpool and Newcastle, but this is probably the most watchable match of the weekend for a neutral. If you like action, is it's going to be wild. I mean, like watch now, it's going to be nil nil, a damn squid. But like I, <laughs> Leicester seems in. Inca- I said it last week; they seem pathologically incapable of not conceding uh, or scoring or conceding multiple goals. And so the four I wrote down were the one you just gave out: United come from behind, win or draw at plus three thirty. United come from behind and win is plus six twenty five. Uh, Leicester to win and both teams to score is plus seven fifty, and United to win and both teams to score is plus two hundred. So strangely, I took Leicester on the plus four twenty five or plus four thirty, but the one I will actually wager on is United to win and both teams to score at plus two hundred. Because if you move that number from minus one seventy five to plus two hundred um, and get the result that I think more likely, which is United to win, that's the way I'd handicap this match
1: yeah, I like I mean, as usual, i I love how you kind of can get to those places, and I think that's a great way of looking at it. Um, yeah, i I mean, the only thing I will say, and I, I'm always such a wet blanket, but like, <laughs> yeah, there is the possibility that this is just a horrible match. And no range of outcome is off the table. but I do think that where you are pushing them, that come from behind winner draw bets, those are the places that you could could go to find value. But no outcome, literally no outcome in this match. Seven five or nil nil, all ranges of outcome (laughs) to me, dude. If Casemiro is not playing and they and
0: they have the temerity to again roll out Harry Maguire, um, and Luke Shaw as their center back pairing, like give me the over on ten goals. Like let's just go for this. Let's just (laughs) let's just do it. Let's just have like a seven five. Like, you know, I'm watching it uh, might six-year-old be, it soccer might with be, no goalies. We can we see like We might
1: get a 7-5 here. I, I think that, that would be a fun bet to just keep juicing the over on this match. And then, well, if we're saying it, it means it's for sure being no-no. But I think that would be an interesting thing to do is just keep trying to put different levels of your units on higher and higher ridiculous outcomes because I really think this could get here. And I also think that, like you said, pay attention to who is in the starting 11. Yeah. What is United center back pairing? What does their midfield look like? Who is Leicester starting in their midfield? Is there a defensive midfielder anywhere to be found in this match? Uh, those are all things that would be interesting to look at in, in, uh, when you get to this match.
0: Yeah, the 35th minute of the United game last week, Maguire had just like an atrocious giveaway. And I was like, ah, yes. Everything makes sense in the world again. I missed him. I understand things. I understand things again. Life is Uh, black and white again. Final match of the week. And then... We have to get into the five point and then get the heck out of here before our vacation next week. Uh, The final match is Tottenham, fifth at 39 points versus West Ham, 16th at 20 points. This game is Sunday at 1130 a.m. Spurs are minus 122. West Ham is plus 320. The draw is plus 265. Caesars has Spurs minus half a goal at minus one thirty and West Ham at plus one hundred. I will tell you the shocking question that went through my head watching Leicester put up four last week on Tottenham is uh, is Antonio Conte done? Is he done? Like what version of Antonio Conte gives up four goals that easily to this semi crap Leicester side? It made me really question several things. One is Conte is is Conte still? at the level of impact that we have been giving him credit for because of his historical performance or managers don't get washed, but is he currently in a situation where he can't win? Um, and two, do I need to scrub the interge- internet for my Pedro Poro take for a couple weeks ago? <laughs> Cause he was God awful in that match. And if he was coming in to be the savior and he's has Poro and Parasic as his wingback pairing, in the most critical position on the pitch for his tactics Like, is he done? Like, we might not be seeing anything out of him the rest of the year, and I am going to continue to fade them until it burns me. So, I'm going to take West Ham at plus 100. I'll take your question, I'll take your answer about uh, Conte,
1: but there's
0: nothing I'm seeing that's moving me off the fade Spurs bandwagon.
1: No, I I don't think it's him as much as I think I'm always going to default to these teams have players that are playing too much soccer, (laughs) basically. And I think oh, yeah. that's that's a big part of it. Um, I definitely think decisions like he's going to ride with Perisic because that's his guy, even though he has a ton of miles on his legs and was looking increasingly washed. You know, Sun and King are getting to the points where they're getting out of the tail end of their primes. Kuliszewski has cooled off for Charleston. been hurt. Ben core and Hoiberg have played 80,000 minutes in the last year and a half. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that... I think what has worked against him. I mean, there are obviously things that he could do better. I think he could try to get away from his bread and butter back three system and maybe try something else different. Um, I don't know what it is. I mean, Eve Basuma also looked really great for Brighton uh, when they had a a pretty good year and he like just doesn't play them. Um, So I don't know what's going on with that exactly. Um, And so, I mean, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of interesting things that, would point to maybe he went the way of uh, Jody Mourinho where Mourinho's stuff like just stopped working. Right. Cause like, that's not where soccer's at anymore. You can't just set up and be an organized defensive little block as a good team and, and win the league. Um, I don't think he's there. I think a lot of this is Spurs have a bunch of players that have played too much soccer. The recruitment hasn't really been on point. Uh, we got to give Pedro Poro more time, but like in general, you know, Emerson, man you know parisuch is like their big wage guy uh you know we like Kulosevsky. i didn't think richarlison was like worth the money i mean obviously he's been okay in his limited stretches and he's been hurt so the jury's not out yet on that one um but like you know they paid a bunch of money for Ibisuma and then the manager doesn't play him <laughs> so recruitment is definitely a huge factor in this obviously you can go ahead and point to cope and say well he had his hand in a lot of these guys coming along but I think it's a mix of things. I can't put it all on him. I don't think he's washed. I think this is just a weird year with a team that is especially exposed to the factors of too many minutes. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I whatever the reason, whether it's Conte or too many minutes or whatever else, I'm betting against him. So give me West Ham on the double chance of plus 100. Oh, is you're, taking you go well? you're going all the way. are going all the way? I, I just,
1: went all the way. pretty funny. I don't trust West Ham's goal creation enough David Moyes to, second to go half all the prop, way here. Here we go. Play the film. I've watched this movie for like eight straight years. Play the film. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So plus 320, go all the way for the David Moyes train over there. I'm going to take plus 100. But Harry. Uh, go ahead with your prop because uh, I, I got a story from my prop.
1: All right. So mine is going to be really simple out uh, because I want to clear the way for this wonderful Toby Mergler story time here that we got coming up. Uh, West Ham has switched to a back three, um, which back three nullifying back three advantages kind of thing. So both teams to score no was plus 100. Spurs look pretty crap against the Milan team that was in the Champions League in the midweek. That's also drifting backwards. West Ham has really tightened up their defending going to the back three, especially with Sioux Fall. It's like a defensive winger at right wing back, um, which that's a whole other thing. But yeah, so both teams score no plus 100. All right. So story was the wrong word. Uh,
0: Sunday is my birthday. And you know what you get uh, when you're in your 40s for your birthday, Brett? I don't know. You get absolutely nothing. Nobody gives oh. a crap anywhere, anywhere, any place. Even my own family doesn't really care. Thanks that for much.
1: depressing me because that's right around the corner for me. Yeah, buddy. Well, enjoy
0: your 30s while they last. When people still want to buy you drinks and stuff. So you get absolutely nothing. So you know how you compensate? You take care of yourself. You give yourself gifts, right? You, you give yourself, yourself hey, a person. You treat yourself. And guess how I'm going to treat myself for my
1: prop bet on my birthday? I, I don't know. I'm now really intrigued. This could go a lot of different directions.
2: Quarterback! Corner bet is back
0: over 9.5 quarters. Right is I have no real reason for it. I feel like I watch a lot of crappy set pieces <laughs> in Tottenham. I feel like I want a lot of crappy set pieces from West Ham and combined. I am confident they can put up 10 crappy set pieces. So it's not an empirical bet. It is a feeling bet. And on my birthday, okay. I have to have it. I have to I'm have lay in the corners. Minus uh, 130 for over 9.5. Root on for
1: it for your boy. There we go. Happy birthday to Toby. Give him some corners in what is probably going to be a really boring crappy match. All right. yeah. But I like it. I'm glad, glad you're treating yourself. That makes me feel good. Your mental health is in a good place now because you treated yourself to this corner, bed. Fix it. Yeah, I I actually, I'll, I'll be, I'll be watching United
0: and Leicester. I won't be watching that crappy West Ham game until on replay, uh, because I will be at a U eleven weekend long tournament down in San Antonio. Awesome, watching my Mario own girls. My brother. Yes, my my ten uh, year old Kate is playing in the weekend tournament. We're super excited to go down and support her. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. Uh, All right, I would like to put over half an assist on Kate, but Caesars hasn't booked that yet. Uh, Smartly, they're not betting on U11 soccer here in Texas, so I have to put my five-pint somewhere (laughs) else. Thank
1: God they aren't.
0: It's Uh, it's coming, though, Toby. (laughs) uh, No, we make our own book. It's fine. Uh, So on the five-pint, I don't have an updated score. I ran out of time in doing my show prep today. I know I hit four last week after zero the week before. You've hit two, uh, both on plus money bets. So I just haunt me. Believe it or not, I think I think we're pretty close to even going into this last match. uh, Or this last match again. It is the last match because we're off next week. Uh, We will not be here. So this is the last time we'll be giving picks for February. So how I am going to conclude the month? Celebrating my birthday is Chelsea minus a goal and a half at plus one ten. I obviously have to have them in there. United to win and both teams to score plus two hundred. Arsenal on the money line minus one twenty three. City on the minus goal and a half and uh, minus 125. And I can't scream corner bet without actually throwing it in the five pint. So give me over 9.5 corners, Tottenham, West Ham, minus 130, baby.
1: Nice. Uh, well, mine's really boring. I, I kind of wanted to just do a cheap thing and just trust and put the bet I trust the most that would for my entirety by five pint. But I spread it out a little bit. Uh, so I went Chelsea minus one and a half over Southampton plus 110 for a pint. Uh, I am going West Ham Spurs. Both teams to score. No for plus one hundred for another pint. But I got three, three wrapped up in a good team doing a good thing. City clean sheet win plus one hundred over nine and Forest three whole pints. Cannot wait till Forrest wins that 2-1. Yeah,
0: that scares the hell out of me because I think that you have placed your bet in the best position out of all of them. So, way to go. I'm impressed with your portfolio management. All right, so as we've alluded to a couple of times, um, the Extra Points Podcast Network kind of grinds really hard to get through the NFL season. Uh, A lot of the the behind-the-scenes people are putting in long hours. It culminated last week in in, an excellent run on Radio Row. Special shout-out to our friends at Omaha and Caesars for We're facilitating it. Um, we're really proud of the content we did last week. Please go out and check out on social all the work that we were doing with Sal doing props on the floor and with Harry catching touchdown passes or not catching them. It was controversial from Joe Montana. Uh, D- Dave uh, as
1: a media personality is yeah, my favorite.
0: Yeah, Dave Dave on media Row was excellent. Megan checking out a psychic. Us um, pranking the hell out of Harry with uh, an actor that he thought was real. <laughs> what,
1: was, what was the last name? Bernie Fakeman. Bernie Finkman. <laughs> All right. Legend. Uh,
0: it was super He's fun. Legend. It was super fun, but it was a lot, a lot, a lot of hours, um, particularly from our our guy, Mikey Meatballs. So everybody's Mikey. going to next week. We're taking uh, the week off. Mikey's got to record this in AAO, and then he is off for vacation. Mikey, come on mute for a second. What does a young stud who has no kids and no wife and some disposable income. What does he do when he finally gets a week off after grinding uh, tape and records and edits and trying to make you know us look decent on a weekly basis for six months straight? What are you doing, pal?
1: I am going to sleep. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sleep all <laughs> week. Uh, you better be working on your screenplay, Meatballs. Sleep, I'll work on that and I'll uh I'll I'm just gonna rewatch all of the last of us episodes. Yeah, Well, I better see that in our group text chain. Should we add Toby to that? Is he allowed to be in our t- last oh. of us group text chain? Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh my gosh, I'm a real that's gonna be our Look at you Actually, you know what? Meatballs is too hard working. He's probably gonna start a spin-off last of us podcast for the <laughs> for the extra points network. Me, him, well, and Eddie, me and Eddie will bring our text messages to life.
0: I said you don't get anything for your birthdays in the 40s, but if I'm getting extra text from Mikey, I'll feel myself the luckiest guy in the world. (laughs) So uh, we will miss next week, but we will be back uh, the week after that with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take
1: care, everyone. Yep. And appreciate Mikey and Eddie. You guys are awesome.